What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Wade Concept. Um, welcome back to the MMA Weekly. Sorry. A little excited today, guys. Um, today's a big day, man. For one, I learned how to use my digital camera correctly, so I'm proud of myself for that. Literally three seconds in the stream, I had to mention that. Um, and two, we had a massive, massive card this week. The UFC 228 pay-per-view, if you guys weren't aware, just happened, and oh my god. We had some killer results. Um, before we get into it, though, I want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning into the Wade Concept. Um, we're, we're, you know, getting back into uh, what we love, and that's the MMA content, and that's breaking down MMA in its, in its most pure form and it, at its highest level, and that's what we're doing here. So uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, but yeah, we just got off of uh, UFC 228. I watched, I rewatched every main card fight. Uh, we're not going to go over every fight. But there were some some exceptions I did want to go over. Um, Kelsey's already in the chat. Thank you so much, cutie. Um, but yeah, we're going to go over a couple of the fights that I was interested in. And we're just going to kick off this podcast by talking about the main event. Like We're going straight to it. Straight bangers off the cuff. We don't care. We're going straight into the main event. And then we'll get to the other stuff, okay? Because I'm excited about it. So, um, if you guys didn't know, spoiler alert, if you guys haven't seen the pay-per-view yet or if you haven't seen it at all, I'm sure you have by this point. Um, if you haven't, go watch it. I think the UFC holds the pay-per-view right, so go over there. Search their website. You'll find it pretty easily. Um, so there's my spoiler alert. If you guys did happen to catch it, you know that Tyron Woodley uh, finished Darren Till with a Darce choke, which was amazing. Um, afterward, got his black belt from Dean Thomas, which was so emotional for him. And just a good, a really cool scene for everyone. So... Um, just an amazing, amazing night for the UFC. It wasn't, you know, a lot of people said a lot of the fights were boring, and it didn't have the name recognition that we're going to talk about, maybe, maybe, coming up with a card in around a month or so. I'm sure you guys know who's fighting. It, you know, it's this Irishman and this this Russian that they're fairly unknown, but I'm sure you MMA heads know who they are. Um, anyway, this was a great card, and its finale was was the culmination of so many different arguments that you saw from from both sides where Darren Till people thought Darren Till was going to walk in, walk Wonder Boy or excuse me, walk uh Tyron down and blast him with big shots and put him out early. You thought people Tyron was going to be too much with the grappling to be able uh to to take Darren to the ground and from there finish the fight. And it didn't happen that way. You know, we all we we all thought if the fight was going to end by knockout, it was going to be Darren Till knocking Tyron Woodley out. And if we thought it was going to be you know, a grappling contest and a decision, we thought Tyron Woodley would win a decision. That didn't happen. I mean, it kind of happened, but not really. So what happened, we'll just recap. Um, the fight starts off, Darren Till, again, walking forward, doing what he does best, trying to get in and pressure. And what we thought he would do, walk forward on Tyron Woodley and pressure him and, uh, you know, look for some some big shots early. But what you saw, the difference, and I thought, uh, what you saw with a lot of other fighters that fight Darren Till versus what Tyron Woodley was doing. While he was being pressured and while he was being backed up against the cage, you saw Tyron Woodley still moving, staying off that center line, finding a way to, for all intents and purposes, neutralize that pressure or the illusion of pressure that was being put on by Darren Till. So in my case, I saw Tyron Woodley using, again, a lot of head movement, a lot of it quick, explosive feints to keep Darren Till while he was moving forward at bay and keep Tyron in the range he wanted to be while not letting Darren Till time up his his big one two or the three over the top like he, he could not 
time Dy Tyron Woodley or could not find that range that he wanted to find. And this is in the first round, there wasn't a lot of significant strikes from either guy, but there was uh, a couple of exchanges that were important. You saw Darren Till try to uh, unleash that, that left hand and, and the, the straight right to set up, the right jab to set up the straight left, and uh, Tyron Woodley wasn't there. He had moved out of the way. He would come in for the clinch, and one time they clinched in the first round, and you saw the explosive power of a Tyron Woodley. Immediately went to the Muay Thai, grabbed the back of the head, and threw a big-time knee straight up the middle. That was telling in a lot of ways. It showed that while Darren Till was the younger fighter, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily the more explosive fighter. I didn't know if I thought that going into the fight. And so everyone knows, yes, I picked Darren Till. All right, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I, I was a huge Till fan. I still am. And maybe even more so after this fight, seeing kind of what the behind-the-scenes stuff. But I was also, and I still am, a big Tyron Woodley fan. And so, I, I, you know, it's one of those things where it was so razor thin for me because I had, like everyone else, kind of assumed that, that Tyron Woodley would try to grapple and push Darren Till up against the cage, which did happen in the first round, uh, and win the fight from there. And so when things didn't go that way, I was just utterly shocked. And if you guys didn't see it, check out the last live stream, by the way, The Wade Concept on YouTube. Hit that subscribe like button. You know the deal. Um, I didn't see that happening, but it did. And so from there... You saw Tyron Woodley start to to maintain and control momentum of the fight. And this is early in the first round, and he grapples uh, Darren Till to show that strength, puts him up against the cage. What I didn't like, if you guys watched the fight, what I didn't like was Dan Mergliata kept separating the two on the cage. Like Tyron Woodley would have an over under or no, double under hooks with the hands clasped up on the cage for maybe fifteen seconds, maybe, and it didn't seem like even that. And Dan Mergliata would come in, touch the fighters, and, and tell them to separate. I could not stand that. I don't understand. Are, are we? Is this a, a kickboxing match? Is that what, what this UFC has become? Is that because it seems like any time that there's a minimal break in action, whether it's on the ground, whether it's on the cage, any type of break in grappling action, the referee comes in, touches the guys, tells them to stand up or separate. I get it. It's a spectator sport. But your spectators are here to watch the UFC, the ultimate fighting championship. That doesn't say the ultimate kickboxing championship. That doesn't say the ultimate boxing championship. The ultimate fighting championship. Grappling is a major, major part of MMA. I cannot stand it when guys come in and separate the action that quickly. Now, I get it if, if there's really no action and it's been 30 seconds, a minute of guys just literally laying on each other. But Tyron Woodley was utilizing foot stomps. He was shifting his head to control the posture of Darren Till. Darren Till was, was flipping Tyron Woodley on the cage. They were both moving and trying to escape, switching the hands, and, and again, the separation. So I didn't really like that, but it is what it is. The fight goes on. And the first round kind of ended with another one of Tyron Woodley's blitzes right at the end of the round. Um, Darren Till might have caught – I think he threw one big left hand. It caught Tyron right on the hands. And so that was the end of the first round. I couldn't really hear the corner advice. The corner advice from Darren Till, I remember them trying to implement him – or uh, uh, encourage him to throw the overhand left. Said the overhand left was there. It's a crucial factor in what happens next because um, Tyron Woodley's corner was was uh, basically telling him to be looking for the straight left, look for the overhand left. So both corners kind of had an idea of what they wanted to do. Tyron Woodley's corner obviously knowing the better game plan for Darren Till because Darren was really trying to fill Tyron out in that first round. And so second round starts. Darren Till again walks forward like he always does. Um, and pretty much a summation, I really liked this at the end of the fight. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but at the end of the fight, Daniel Cormier reverted to what basically got Darren Till knocked down. 
And so Darren Till walks forward, throws a straight right uppercut. It's this weird technique that uh, I call it an Asim uppercut. If you guys don't know, um, go check that out. It's You can find YouTube videos on it anywhere. Uh, Prince Nassim's step-in uppercut. And uh, he throws the step-in uppercut, and then the left straight follows behind. The problem with that technique and what Daniel Cormier was outlining was that when you throw that, you become very long. Especially in the pocket, you become very, very long. And there's really no protection because you're cocking that backhand ready to unload the straight or the overhand left. So in Darren Till's case, he tries this technique with a couple of feints, then throws it, and the overhand left comes behind it. Well, Tyron Woodley does what's called a pull right hand. He basically pulls back while Darren Till throws the uppercut, pulls away, and throws the right hand in a straight motion versus Darren Till's left overhand. And you guys know that what I've always said, straight punches always beat looping overhand hooks, always beat those punches. And he catches him straight on the jaw. Darren Till goes down. And at that point, it looked like the fight was going to be over because he was rocked, right? And Tyron Woodley immediately pounces on him. And this is something that I, I really appreciated about Darren Till because you guys saw me if you did tune in the live stream. I was freaking out. I didn't want Darren Till to go out that way. I didn't want him to get knocked out. I wanted to see him you know, implement more of his offense just because, again, I am a huge Darren Till fan. Um, but at the same time, I was excited because that was a massive bomb that Tyron Woodley let off. Like... You forget how explosive this guy is, and in the you know we'll talk about being a prisoner of the moment, like I talked about in the live stream. In the moment, you just, it's so flashy and surprising to you that those last three fights that you saw him as people called a boring fighter, they just go away like that. You saw an amazing technique, uh, a pull right hand that you wouldn't see. You didn't think anybody could counter the counter fighter there until, uh, or at least you hadn't seen it done well until Tyron just did. So that was uh, that was what we saw. Sorry, I just hit my camera. <laughs> um, but that's what we saw. And um, from there, Dyron Woodley is unleashing some ferocious ground and pound, some nasty elbows on top, uh, hammer fists, some, some amazing ground and pound technique. And then you see what's called courage, right? You see Darren Till fighting off, telling the referees, okay, trying to survive, trying to survive. And you see on the other side, perseverance by Tyron Woodley because he could have easily just said, okay, look, I'm not going to finish this dude. Let's stand it back up. But he stayed calm, he stayed composed, as a champion should, and he kept with his game plan. Nothing too, again, nothing too flashy, but to stay there, ground and pound, control, regain top position, uh, all those things. And you saw him move past Darren's guard easily, get into half guard, get into full mount, but Darren Till did recover, get back to half guard, which was ultimately his undoing. Because as he got to half guard, he tried to stay very close, kind of in a side Almost a, a turtle, like crab kind of movement. He was in a side, uh, he was inside control, but he was, or excuse me, he was in half guard, but he was almost on his side, which opened up the Darce choke for Tyron Woodley. Darren Till didn't see it coming, and thus the fight was over. Um, but all in all, it taught me a lot of things about the 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 two competitors in the in the main event. One, Darren Till is is a young guy. And I hate when people say he wasn't ready because that diminishes what Tyron Woodley did. When you say someone wasn't ready or, you know, he didn't deserve to be there, like stop that talk because it's absolutely not true. He deserved every bit of, of what he earned to be there. He was 17-0. and 0. Um, It's just one of those things where Tyron Woodley had been in bigger fights and had a better game plan coming in, implemented it successfully, completely successfully. And so with that, I saw – Another example of Tyron Woodley defying the odds, or in this case, the odds makers, 
and winning another title defense. The guy, and we talked, I talked about this with one of my friends on Twitter. When are we going to give this guy respect? Like, when are we going to actually sit down and say, Tyron Woodley is one of, if not the best, welterweight of all time? Four title defenses is not George St. Pierre, seven or eight. I understand that. But he is, he is demolishing some of the best specialty fighters or some of the best fighters in that division. Young guys, too. It's not just the veterans that have been around for forever. It's the, these young guys coming up. And if you think about it, and Tyron Woodley said this, he is the last remaining guy from that post-George St. Pierre era. The Josh Koscheks, the Carlos Condens, uh, the Gunnar Nelsons, Robbie Lawlers. He's the last guy standing. Everybody else is kind of starting to, to kind of wilt away and diminish a little bit. And that's not to disrespect their legacies or them as fighters. It's just that Tyron Woodley has found a way to go to that next level, which is is a level I haven't seen from any other fighter at 170. He does everything well, and you saw that he was not just a a, a wrestler last or Sunday night or Saturday night. He wasn't just a striker. He wasn't just a grappler. He wasn't just a jujitsu artist. He was all of those things combined into one, and he did it beautifully. His transitions on top were amazing. It's not saying that Darren Till is any kind of crazy black belt on the ground, but Tyron Woodley did what he had to do, stay composed, and showed what a champion does. So with that being said, that was an amazing uh, main event. I thought it showed that Tyron Woodley could very well rule this division for a long, long time because there are guys coming up, and we'll talk about one of the challengers just in a second, but Tyron Woodley just does everything so well, and he finds ways to break down game plan and neutralize the one thing you're really bad at or the one thing you're really good at, and take it to you in that realm. Like, everyone thought Darren Till was going to be the, by far the better striker. I didn't think by, I thought he would be the better striker. I thought he would control tempo on the feet. And Tyron Woodley looked at all of us and goes, oh, that's cool. Eat this right hand. And absolutely threw a nuclear warhead. And the one thing you can't prepare for, regardless of how good, you know, you are in any aspect, is how how explosive Tyron Woodley is. You can't prepare for it by anybody else in the gym because no one at that weight class is as explosive as he is. No one. I don't care if it's Kamaru Usman, Darren Till, um, Robbie Lawler, anybody. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Jorge Masvidal, no one is that explosive. So, Tyron Woodley presents a matchup problem for everyone. Even guys that are similar to him like Kamaru Usman. Or, a guy we're about to talk about, Colby Covington. He is a dangerous, dangerous man for anyone that steps in that octagon at 170 or if he ever wants to go up to 185. I don't know. I mean, a Yo- uh, Yoel Romero matchup would be insane, let's admit. Or, I mean, a Robert Whitaker matchup would be insane. But that's for another podcast. Um, Darren Till. What do we say about Darren Till? It, it shows that he's a, an uber competitor. It shows that, that you know, of course, everyone hates losing. But you could really tell this one got to him. Um and, you know, he there was a, a couple of guys that reached out, and I thought it was really cool. After the fact, the UFC on their Instagram posted a video that was saying um, it kind of showed Tyron Woodley backstage with uh, Darren Till, and it showed both of them kind of embracing, and, and Tyron kind of whispered. He was like, yeah, you know, I, I was 10-0 at 1.2. We all lose, but, um, but you'll be okay. You know, you'll come back stronger. And I really thought that was cool. I thought it was, was good to see that Tyron, you know, reached out and, and – and, even if it is, you know, two guys are fighting, there's really no animosity at the end of it, at least for this fight, because there was a, a mutual respect between both guys. It was just one guy that was really hungry, really young, trying to come up and take out the, the biggest guy. The sport of MMA. There's no real per- – I mean, sometimes, yes, it is absolutely personal. But in this case, it wasn't anything personal. It was just two guys ready to, to fight over who was the best in that division in the world. So I, I really liked to see that. Um, But, yeah. 
Tyre, uh, Darren Till, you know, he didn't get a chance to really show a lot in his in his technique and his in his power and his speed because Tyron Woodley neutralized everything. I mean, enough can't be said about how how amazing that performance was. You know, but what I didn't like, and, Tyre, and, and Darren Till will be back. I don't know if it's at 170. I said during my live stream, I think he takes a couple more fights at 170. Um, and from there decides what he wants to do, if he wants to go and, and challenge for that title again or if he wants to come back and um, try to to fight at 185. Whatever he wants to do, um, I'm sure he'll he'll figure that out. But I, I do think that he's not the type of competitor to just lose once at 170 and bump up. I don't think to, I think he comes back and tries to to say make another run at that strap. So, you know, he'll be fine. Um, Tyron Woodley looks like a monster. But I'll tell you one thing I didn't like. I saw this on uh, Instagram or Twitter or somewhere, maybe on YouTube. Was and I think it was it's kind of funny uh, because I don't think that that uh, this person knew that it was Darren Till fighting, but if you guys saw Snoop Dogg reacting to the fights, uh, I thought that was pretty funny because Snoop Dogg was basically yelling a lot of obscenities at the screen, obviously. Um, I think he's a he's a friend of Tyron Woodley's, and he was yelling, you know, at Tyron Woodley to win the fight, cheering for him, but while doing so was, was yelling basically F Donald Trump, F Donald Trump. And for one, Darren Till's obviously English, it's from the UK, has nothing to do with the United States. So what I think happened was <laughs> Snoop Dogg thought it was Colby Covington fighting Tyron Woodley. And, uh, you know, obviously things that go on with the president I'm not going to get into, but he basically was yelling those obscenities because he thought, because Colby Covington is such a big supporter of the president and, and the whole going and putting the belt on the president's desk, Snoop Dogg was, was you know, trying to roast Darren Till on his fighting style and so it was confusing because he kept calling him the gorilla, so he knew a little bit about Darren Till, but he, he was just confused on where and what he was what he was talking about. So, you know, it was one of those things that it was kind of cringy. Snoop Dogg yelling at, at, at fighters who would literally destroy him with one punch. Like if Darren Till, if Colby Covington, if anyone, if Cyborg wanted to, if Rose Namajunas wanted to, she would put her fist directly through Snoop Dogg's face. Like he looks like, and, and I'm not going to go on here and roast Snoop Dogg, but for you to, you know, act so brash. He did this with the Connor and Floyd fight, too, and so he he really thinks that, you know, his opinion really matters because he was featured on a couple of episodes of Dana White's Contender Series, and he thinks that, you know, because he was on that, that he can just say whatever he wants about fighters, and he totally can. But it's just funny to see how people talk behind their phone, right? They talk like that when they have someone around them or they have people around them that are allowed to to kind of echo chamber this this tough guy bravado stuff which is hilarious by the way um snoop dog would not in and by himself one-on-one -on -one in front of darren till or colby covington or anybody else for that matter say any of those things to their face because if he did he would have a hole through his face it's the bottom line um and i'm not encouraging anybody any kind of violence against snoop dog at all nothing like that but it's just you know, it's it's really easy to to yell obscenities and, and things like that, which he has every right to do, has every right to do, even if he is confused on who the fighter is or what's happening, um, has every right to do it. But of course, again, he wouldn't say those things to any of those fighters directly to their face. And if you don't know why, look up on YouTube how how uh, Snoop Dogg's boxing technique looks like. Yikes. Um, yeah. Anyway. 
So that I thought that was pretty hilarious. And again, guys, I apologize for the the, the stream. I don't know what's happening with it. We'll get it figured out. I, I'm trying to, as we get the studio set up. By the way, check out behind me. Got the you know got the soundproof pads. Uh, little by little, the set's coming along. So that's uh, that's exciting. Anyway, on to some other news. Some actual serious news that doesn't involve one of the worms from Men in Black Two. Um, let's see. We have a couple of things from the card at UFC 228. We had a massive, massive knockout by Jessica Andrade. Absolutely devastating knockout of uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz. A devastating right hand over the top. And the whole fight, it was, it was a short fight. The entire fight, Karolina looked actually fearful for herself. Like, you didn't see that when she fought Joanna. Joanna, she was eating punches for sure, but it wasn't the power that Jessica Andrade has. And I, that's obvious, but just the, the look in Carolina's face as she was getting hit, she started swinging with her eyes closed. Like, she started putting her head down and just swinging with her eyes closed, and I've never seen that from, from her. Um, but it basically just showed how powerful and how explosive and how fearful of uh, Jessica Andrade she was in that moment. And what a knockout it was for a 115-pound woman to, to come over top with that right hand and and put someone to sleep because Carolina was was out-out. I mean, yes, her eyes were open, but her, her mind was not there. She was somewhere else. So that was a massive, devastating knockout. Um, with those kind of knockouts in this day and age, you're going to see her get a shot against uh, Rose Namajunas, I'm assuming. Like, that's what Dana White's looking for. That's what the UFC's looking for is these big, me mega superstars they can hopefully build or these mega fights they can hopefully build. And a knockout like that gets you right in front of him. So it's a big win for Jessica Andrade. Look for her to, to possibly contend for that 115 title. I think that she's done enough right there to win it. Um, then we saw Zabit. I'm going to go again. You guys know I, I messed up the the name last time. We're going to go with Zabit uh, Magomed Shapirov or Shari Sharipov. I had it right the first time. Um, versus Brandon Davis and a very odd knee bar. If you guys watched the fight at all, it was a very odd knee bar. He he locked in on uh, Brandon Davis, but very effective too because he locked it in from basically back mount, got a hold of the leg, and uh, used an inverted knee bar to tap Brandon Davis, who had to tap on his own behind, actually, on his own cheeks, which was hilarious. Um, but what a win for him. Uh, and then goes out to call Chad Mendez out. And what a fight that would be. Because both guys, you've seen now uh, Zabit's grappling ability. I mean, he is a Dagestani, so we all know how Dagestanis grapple. You don't just watch Khabib fight for five minutes. Um, versus a guy in Chad Mendez that is probably one of the best grapplers in that division. A nasty, explosive wrestler with nasty hands on the feet. I could see, you know, you could see Zabit's uh, reach and his his the way he, how lanky he is being a problem for Chad. It wasn't the Connor fight, but man, that would be a nice matchup. So we'll see if that happens. I hope so because that was an amazing uh, fight from Zabit, and I love that call out. I love that fight. So hopefully we we get that one soon. Um, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Rivera won a decision versus John Dotson. Not not a super, uh, you know. Not a lot of bullet points from this fight. Jimmy Rivera doing what he does, coming forward, using his grappling. Uh, John Dotson trying to look for his shots and kind of move around. He's very explosive, very quick, but just you know couldn't couldn't seem to find that that opening he was looking for. Jimmy Rivera takes the win, and uh, Al Hassan with a big knockout as well. So 
an amazing card in my opinion once I went back and actually watched it. If you guys didn't know when the live stream happened, I was working and I had to run home to to get here for the main event. So that was uh that was unfortunate, but I went back and watched in an amazing card overall. But uh yeah, that's two twenty eight in a nutshell. My thoughts, you know, Tyron Woodley looks and and it's really easy to be a prisoner in this moment and say Tyron Woodley looks unstoppable and and no one can touch him and he's gonna rule his division forever. While I do think that he is going to to it's gonna be a hard thing to dethrone him as champ, you also have to recognize that in MMA anything's possible and anything can happen at one moment, right? Let's say Tyron Woodley doesn't hit that big right hand and Darren Till clips him with that lead uppercut. We're talking we're having a different conversation. Or if Darren Till survives, Tyron Woodley did look to to be a little bit blown out. I'm not diminishing what he was doing at all. He did look to start breathing a little heavy. He said he had three more rounds in him. The champ says it. I believe him. But if, if Darren Till survives, could that fight go differently? Possibly. So, with that being said, you never know what can happen. And with that being said, we have Colby Covington coming into the mix now, which was the originally scheduled fight. Colby Covington had to have nasal surgery. And so now he's coming into the fray. Um, which, of course, we all knew would happen if Tyron won or even if Darren won. We, we assumed that Colby would, would be the next up. And that matchup, they're talking about possibly, maybe, main eventing uh, the November 30th card, Madison Square Garden. I'm thinking myself that's going to be a John Jones main event. I don't know why. I just I have a feeling they're, they're saving that for him to come back. But that very well could be the fight that, that the UFC wants to make. I would love to see it. Put that on the November 30th card, and I'm there. 100%, I'm there. Um, and just the storyline itself, everyone wants to see this fight. Colby always talking trash, calling Tyron Tyrone. Um, you know, he's, he's funny as a troll. He, he does walk right through that line that everybody says is, you know, kind of the, the a little bit too much line. He walks, he runs straight through it. And because of that, he's getting this title shot because he really only has one or two big wins in, in the top 10. And so that's kind of his way of, of asserting himself into this title scene, and it's worked for him. The fight itself will break down later. Colby's pace versus Tyron's power and his explosiveness. I don't know who wins that or what the edge will be, but we'll break that down later when the fight's announced. But it's interesting to see. And Colby Covington actually went at Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. This is after the fight. Classic Colby Covington. He goes at Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, called him a choir boy, called Darren Till a doughboy, um, went at Snoop Dogg. It's just like you he goes at everyone and because of this he gets those clicks, he gets those views, he's he's you know, keeping his name relevant so that this title fight does happen. So more applause to Colby Covington, man. I'm I'm by no means a supporter of, of you know, some of the ways he talks about people, but I am a supporter of his, his ability to put himself into that scene and, and make himself a main event player. So I would love to see that fight happen, but we'll leave the, the breakdown for another time for that one. Um other than that, a couple of things we have in the news. Um, 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 obviously, the big thing we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, oh, other news at U2, uh, UFC 228. Diego Sanchez with a big win um, over Craig White. And then he calls out Mickey Gall. So that's that's interesting. I think Mickey Gall has gotten a reputation for fighting older veteran fighters. Um, or older fighters. I don't know about veteran, but he's gotten this reputation as kind of being that legend killer or that name promotion name stealer, right? Took out Sage, which was a big name in the promotion. Took out CM Punk, I understand. Um, and so now Diego Sanchez says he likes that fight. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if, if Mickey Gall takes that fight. 
just because of the name recognition Diego Sanchez brings. Um, and then I don't think Mickey Gall is quite ready for that top 10 at 170. So we could see that fight very easily. I would love to see that fight. Uh, Diego Sanchez is a straightforward mentality and is just bite down on the mouthpiece and swing heavy hands mentality versus Mickey Gall's, excuse me, Mickey Gall's technique and uh, his ability on the ground, his grappling ability, and his improved stand-up. I would love to see. And we have another quote today. This is from the uh, Hawani show. I thought this was interesting. Valentina Shevchenko, obviously a disappointing uh, weekend for her because, as you all know, if you guys have caught the live stream by now um, or if you've watched the pay-per-view at all, uh, Nico Montagna pulled out of, of UFC 228 as the 125 champion uh, due to an illness related to her weight cut. Um Therefore, and a lot of people are kind of questioning whether this is real, whether she's scared to fight Valentina, whether she's just trying to hold on to that belt as long as she can. Well, I'm not going to dispute what happened, and I'm not going to really side either way because I don't know the full story. And unless you're Ari Hawani or uh, Brent Akamoto or Dana White or any of these fighters, none of us really know what happened. So I'm not going to sit here and try to blame whoever or, or say somebody was scared. That's not what I do. I see the information, I tell you guys, and I offer my opinion on what comes next or what happened. What do I think happened? I think Nico probably had a hard weight cut, and uh, whether she could have kept going or not, I don't know. But um, regardless, Dana White has stripped her of the, of the 125 title, and I think they are going to try to make a fight by the end of the year. And an interesting topic was brought up by Valentina Shevchenko on Ariel Hawani's show today. She's calling out... Yoani uh, on Jacek for the 125 title. It's been rumored for a long, long time that Yoana was wanting to move up to 125, that that 115 weight cut was really getting to her and is basically her excuse for losing the title in the first place. So Valentina Shevchenko, who is a very, very serious contender in the stand-up game and, and impacts a lot more power than I've ever seen from Yoani on Jacek, is calling her to fight for this vacant 125 title. I don't know if... if, if you know, there are some 125ers in that division, um, but I don't know if any of them have the same rec name recognition as a Yoana. And if you're trying to establish that belt as a legitimate belt, you can't have Valentina Shevchenko fight someone that we don't know or someone that hasn't had big fight experience, in my opinion. So that's why I love this call out so, so much because Valentina is basically putting her, her reputation, her ability on the line for this belt. She's not saying, yeah, I'm going to take a smaller fight and just kind of walk through this girl and grab this belt. She's like, look, let me take on the best 115er in the world or the one, the best 115 girl to ever do it, um, even though Rose is the best 115 at the moment. Let me take her on uh, on a full camp and, and see what happens. And I really like that call out because, again, it, it shows the integrity of Valentina Shevchenko. It shows that she is not here to just, just win easy, short fights. She wants to take on the best of the best and wants to be the greatest at her division. So I applaud that. I, I would love to see that fight. I know I keep saying it, but but these fighters are starting to wise up. They're starting to understand how this game works. Even the ones that you don't expect most of the time, most of the time these fighters are, are proposing these fights. They're telling or asking Dana White. They're asking Sean Shelby, say, look, this is what I want. This is what I think is good for the division. Used to be fighters let that up to the matchmakers. Now we're starting to see because of this rise of social media, uh, the rise of, of, you know, the entertainment aspect of the sport. You're starting to see fighters call out other fighters because even though you don't want to admit it, that's kind of what you got to do in this day and age. So I love to see that. Um, I hope that fight gets made. We'll see. Um, other than that, we can talk about 
the upcoming card. We have a long, long way to go with this card, guys. So we're not going to do any kind of predictions, not yet. We're not going to do any kind of fight breakdown yet. But we can talk about uh, a little bit about UFC 229. Let me pull up the card really quick. Let's talk about it for just a little bit. Actually, you know what? Let's let's do this. Let's do this. And again, guys, I apologize about whatever's happening with the stream right now. I know I'm dropping frames. Um but we're we're going to get it figured out. So before we have UFC 229, we have UFC Fight Night um, Moscow, actually. No, no. Is that what it is? Yeah, UFC Fight Night Moscow. And the main event to be uh, Mark Hunt versus Alexi Olenek. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty, I mean, two veteran guys going at it. Mark Hunt obviously possessing the massive right hand. Olenek with uh, amazing takedowns, amazing grappling. We also have Nikita Kolov or Krylov on the card. We also have Andrei Arlovsky on the card. Obviously, you're going to see a lot of Russians on this card. Um, I think this is the UFC's first time in Moscow, if I'm not mistaken. You guys can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, but some interesting fights there coming up. So Mark, we'll see if Mark Hunt can can keep his because he kind of has been around that mid tier at the heavyweight division, right? Where he's not really beating the upper level guys, but he's also not losing the guys he shouldn't lose to. Um, I think he still has a lawsuit going on with the UFC, so it's interesting anytime he's always fighting, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's coming up. And then, of course, we will talk about the UFC 229 event coming up because I know you guys want to. And I want to. I just, I, we have a month away. We're so long, so far away from this fight that I don't want to just get on my stream and go, okay, this is who's winning. This is what we're going to do. No, we're really going to take our time and break this fight down, the main event I'm talking about. And uh, the card itself, we're going to really break down because there are some big, big fights on this card. A lot of people are overlooking the fact that Tony Ferguson is on this card. And Anthony Pettis is on this card. So we'll have four either current or former lightweight champions on this card. It's a big deal because if someone falls out, we could have some potential matchups there. Tony Ferguson-Connor, Tony Ferguson-Khabib, Anthony Pettis-Connor, Anthony Pettis-Khabib. Um, you know, you could see some different matchups here. So the UFC's done a good job, in my opinion, of putting on some really some some interesting matchups or possible matchups. Um, yeah, man, we got Ovin St. Peru on this card. We got Derek Lewis and Alexander Volkov, who's coming off a big knockout win. Michelle Watterson, Sean, Sugar Sean O'Malley, um, Dennis Formiga. I mean, some big time or certain excuse me. Hacier Formiga, and Sergio Pettis. It's like some big, big-time fighters on this card. So uh, it is definitely going to be one for, for the books. We will break it down more um, as that comes along. But, um, yeah, obviously the main event is, is what everybody's interested in. I'm interested in it as well. There's so many possibilities with this fight. Everyone's going to be talking about it. Everyone's already talked about it. Um, we're not going to go, like I said, too de too deep into it. Obviously, if you guys have been following either guy on social media, um, they're kind of keeping this a little quieter, and I understand why, because you know there is such history between these two guys that if you put them in a room together, talking about Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov for the uh, lightweight title, if you put them in a room together, 
what you're going to find is that something's going to happen and it's going to be detrimental to the business, right? This is strictly a business move by the UFC to not put them in any kind of, of space where they can, you know, have a physical confrontation until those cage doors close. Smart move, um, but also it kind of deprives us. And Connor has come out and said that he doesn't want to do a lot of media leading up to this fight. And, and I completely understand that because you are dealing with a guy in Khabib that is 26-0. and 0. You don't ever see that in MMA. A guy that has dominated 26 people, never lost, only showed weakness a couple of times. This isn't Nate Diaz. This isn't... Uh, you know, uh, an Eddie Alvarez who had been beat, who had weaknesses, who had flaws in their game. Um, whether it's, you know, Nate Diaz's inability to land big shots or sometimes make fights look decisive, whether, you know, he, he does have a massive gas tank, he can finish fights. Most of the time it's on the ground, uh, and his punches do add up. And he did finish Connor, but in that second fight, even if it looked like, you know, at some points Nate Diaz was teeing off. His shots didn't really hurt Connor, and it didn't look like at any point. Connor, you know, obviously the gas tank is always an issue, but he found a way to right that wrong in the second fight and was landing big shots. I mean, he, he knocked Nate down three times. Um, and so and in the Eddie Alvarez fight, I mean, Connor completely outclassed Eddie Alvarez. Obviously, the lack of stand-up ability and stand-up experience with a high high-level guy like Connor McGregor, who is just on another planet when it comes to that stand-up uh, from Eddie Alvarez, it showed. And so in this fight, you there, there's all there's two avenues that we're going to go down, and we're going to go down them extensively. It's going to be Khabib's grappling, Connor's. Well, from those two avenues, we'll have sub avenues, but Khabib's grappling and Connor's striking, right? And from there, we'll we'll discuss kind of what the what the big differences are, where, where the advantages really lie. Is it just in the striking? Is it just in the grappling? I don't think it's that simple. I think it's it's going to be way more than that. I think it's going to be a, a, a combination of cardio, of experience, of of the the kind of the shorter buildup than the, what we're used to. Um, how they perform in such a massive environment. We know Connor does really well in those environments. Khabib has never, while he has performed on a high level, he's never performed in front of what's going to be a mental onslaught from Connor McGregor and the the fact that the crowd is going to be a sold-out arena, strictly there for those two. Most likely going to be more for Connor. Uh, the crowd will be. And how does Khabib handle that harsh environment? Obviously, he's from Dagestan. I'm sure he can handle himself in the most harsh environment. But it's something we're going to have to watch and see. So um, there's so many factors that go into this fight. I can't stand when it's just narrowed down to the two. But that's what we'll. That's where we'll start our branch, right? That's where we'll start to kind of fork and go our separate routes and pick out different little things that that could impo- could possibly happen and couldn't. And those are the things I love about not only this podcast but fighting in general. Is there's so many different things that can go right or wrong, and so many different scenarios that can happen. And so you know, as as I don't even know what I call myself, uh, uh, just a podcaster, as someone that loves the sport. It's so fun to sit and, and think about all the different aspects of, of what could happen and, and debate them with you guys. Um, and even though, again, we're just now starting back with a podcast and something's wrong with my usage and there's always seems to be a problem, we keep trucking forward, guys. Um, so I'm glad you're here. If you are here, if you're not and you're new or you're just popping in to, to see what this is about, this is the Wade concept. Uh, we debate a lot of MMA. Sometimes we, we, we go outside of that realm. Uh, but today, today isn't one of those days. Maybe soon, but not today. But yeah, 
that's been the week in MMA, at least on the on the kind of the surface. There are some some smaller stories that I didn't get to today, but a lot of this um, a lot of this week has been centered around at least the last couple of days has been centered around the 228 main event and and just the ability of Tyron Woodley to neutralize every opponent that's in front of him. Can we start recognizing this guy as the champion he is and the greatest, one of the greatest of all time? I think he came into this fight number five on the pound for pound list. Come on. I'm a big Connor fan. I'm a I'm a really, really big Connor fan, but there's no way, there's no way that Tyron Woodley should be under Connor McGregor after doing what he's been doing to guys that were higher on him, higher than him on the pound for pound list, and him beating them and still not moving. And as much as I like the lighter weight guys like Demetrius and and TJ and Cody, the 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 game that you're playing at 170. And this is again not to detriment the you know not to the detriment of these guys. The game you're playing at 170 is a far, far more dangerous game in my opinion because one shot and yes one shot guys like TJ has one shot ability, Cody has one shot ability, but um, Tyron Woodley has out cold blackout one shot ability with his hands and one punch is in in that fight, one slam you know and the and the the strength he possesses the explosiveness. And the guys he's facing, a guy like Robbie Lawler, who's just a, a straight-up killer, walking forward, throwing shots. The legends, Carlos Condit, one of the best strikers to ever be at the 170 division. Um, you got to give it up to the guy. And I'm not saying he's the number one pound-for-pound guy. I don't know that to be true. But the pound-for-pound list should be based on the fact that a champion who is in his division is demolishing that division, wiping it clean, and needs the respect that, that that he deserves. So that's my take on 228. Darren Till will be back. We're still Darren Till guys. We're still Tyron Woodley guys. We're Khabib guys. We're Connor guys. We're all fighters. I support all fighters. I do have my favorites, but at this podcast, we do recognize when greatness is great. And there's nothing wrong with having favorite fighters. There's nothing wrong with cheering the fighter on. I can't stand, and this is kind of a rant, but I can't stand when when, you know, a fighter loses, and and all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, well, Darren Till wasn't ready. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. He wasn't the striker we thought he was. He was ready for this opportunity. The opportunity presented itself, and he didn't quite, you know, come away with the gold. But it doesn't. We, we don't have to sit here and diminish everyone as soon as they lose, and we don't have to do it because it's a detriment to Tyron Woodley. The preparation he put in, the the work he's always put in, and the fighter that he is. To say Darren Till. Was, was just wasn't ready and he was too young and the opportunity was too big is a detriment to, to Tyron Woodley's ability and what he showed during the fight. So I think that, that we should be giving fighters more credit than we should be tearing the guys down that lose, my opinion. But anyway, um, thank you guys for watching. And like I said, in these coming weeks, we'll be talking more about Connor and Khabib, the 229 card. And I really, really, that fight is has so many different options. I really want to dive into it. And, and other fights as well. But that one is obviously the one the world is waiting on. The one that's probably going to be the biggest fight in MMA history. So we would be doing it an injustice not to cover it the best we could and the most in-depth we could. So that's what we'll do. We will see you guys. Maybe we'll start with that that little breakdown later this week. Again, I do have this new... I know I keep flashing it. I'm just proud of it. I do have this new Canon camera. Um, and we'll be doing some, some car convos maybe coming this week about the differences between the two guys and... and who can exploit what and what goes the way of the other. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that, and we'll uh, we'll keep going on this journey. Again, guys, it's about commitment. We're here to commit. To, I'm here to commit to you guys um, to always keep this podcast going. 
regardless of what the what the you know the dislikes look like or the likes or the comments or the views or any of that I love doing this and uh, I love you guys being here so thank you so much um we'll see you sometime later this week hopefully in about a week this this set will be like completely done so you guys will see a little surprise behind me hopefully um but anyway thank you guys so much I hope you liked UFC 228 because I did I had a great time watching it even if I barely caught the, the back end of it and had to kind of watch it in reverse. Um, tell me what you guys thought of the fight. Tell me what you think that happens with these 170s moving forward. Who's next after, looks like it's going to be Colby, but what happens in that fight? Who's next for Darren Till? Um, and what's coming up at 229? Who do you think? Who do you guys think's winning these fights? Like, Give me your breakdowns in the comments. If you're new, hit that subscribe button and hit that like button if you like what we're doing here. And we have a vlog channel. Wade Plemons on YouTube. Go subscribe. We're going to have some some cool content that doesn't relate quite to MMA, but maybe it does a little bit, but uh, encompasses all parts of my life. So you guys go check that one out, and you guys already know we are the Wade Concepts, and we are debating everything. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next time.